hello and welcome to the Pat and the Key podcast. I'm your host, Neil Winterton, and joining me on the line this week, we've got a very under-the-weather Ben Cad. How are you, Caddy? Oh, I've been better, Winnow, to be honest. Um, I think long COVID is, is starting to set in <laughs> Obviously a bit crook last week when we, we postponed, but yeah, I just can't shake, um, can't shake a bit of a chest chest uh, cough at the moment, which is very, very frustrating. But anyway, we um, we power on. We do our best. We will power on, mate. We'll try and keep it pretty pretty short and sharp because you, you clearly are under the weather. But uh, hats off, mate, for powering through. As you said, we, we sort of skipped over last week's one because I, I didn't want you to be uh, not 100% healthy because it'd be like going to the basketball and watching uh, Steph Curry not be able to shoot threes, Caddy, watching you under the weather. But uh, we're just going to have to power through this one. With you not at a hundred percent, so we'll jump straight into it, Caddy. We'll start with the with one of the series that we saw Game Four of today, Miami Philly, and, and has, hasn't this one flipped on its head? We've got uh, Game Three. It was uh, Philly in Joel Embiid's return. He missed those first two games, of course, due to the orbital fracture in his face, and they, and they come out. And this is probably to be expected. Uh, they came out and they won Game Three, ninety nine seventy nine. And Game Four was today, and it was going to be interesting to see if they could continue that momentum, and they were able to do that. They come away with the victory, 116-108, and we saw a bit of a vintage uh, James Harden game, Caddy. It was uh, 31 points, 9 assists, 6 of 10 from 3, and it was Philadelphia that hit a lot of 3 balls, and we'll probably touch on that a bit later. But uh, Jimmy Butler, again, outstanding for for Miami with 40 points and 6 rebounds. So what are you seeing from this series now, Caddy? After, after the first two games, Miami seemed to be really cruising. No surprise, of course, given that Joel Embiid was out of action. But now you see the importance of bringing in someone like Joel Embiid. You know, despite the fact he hasn't come in and absolutely dominated off, offensively, he was had 24 points, 11 rebounds today. But it's just... It's just that trickle down effect, isn't it? You know, he all of a sudden the the defensive attention that went on to James Harden in those first two games, um, sort of the, the pressure gets relieved off him, and he's able to explode a little bit as we saw today. And also, obviously, defensively as well. You know, he's he's a perennial sort of uh, defensive player of the year candidate, and holding Miami to to seventy nine points in game three is almost like a, a nineteen ninety score. And even today, one hundred and eight points. You'd expect if you want to win a playoff game, you've got to be able to score above that. So, what are you seeing now from this series, Caddy? A, a Philly now in this driver's seat. Back with uh, Joel Embiid now back in the lineup, or do you still think Miami have the upper hand given they have home court advantage? I think you still stick with a side with home court advantage for now. I mean, clearly an upgrade for Philadelphia to get Embiid back in the lineup. Clearly for the fact that you're now not starting John J. Jordan, so that's um. A, yeah, what yeah, the hell was up- Doc Rivers doing with that? Well, I don't know what other choices he probably had, and it, it really showed to um, not play DeAndre Jordan. What about yeah, one of them? He probably gone small or done something different. But you know, they were clearly having a lot of trouble handling Bam Adebayo in those first couple of games, and, and clearly such a, a step up now uh, for Embiid to to be back in the lineup and just again proving how valuable he is. And I think any anyone that put their or cast their most valuable player vote, um, you know, probably would have ideally sort of wished they'd could have waited to this point of the season because you can just really see the value in a guy like Embiid and how important he is to his team when clearly uncompetitive really in those first two games of the series and, and with him back in the lineup, albeit probably not at 100% um, physical condition with his uh, face, in, face injury, but um, yeah, just allowing so many more options to run through the team and, and clearly, you know, freeing up a guy like James Harden, but yeah, no, look, Miami would be a big concern, particularly around their shooting. Um, you know, no doubt today was a, a disaster for them, shooting 20% from three. But, um, you know, home court in the next one, they, if they can hold 
hold that game, then the, you know, obviously the momentum shifts straight back to them. But probably more interested to get your comments around their shooting today and and just the un, I suppose being so unusual, looking at how bad it was, and then seeing a guy like Duncan Robinson just park deep on the on the bench and not getting a look in when, yeah. when things clearly weren't going that well. So I don't know how he sort of fits back into the rotation, but clearly when they're having such shooting difficulties, it would have been probably a good time to get him get him into the lineup. Yeah, it was an interesting call from from Spolster to not bring him back in the lineup. As you said, they've not only struggled today, being seven to thirty-five from three, but also game three they weren't much better, seven from thirty. And Philly incredibly shot sixteen from thirty-three in game three, and then sixteen from thirty-three in game four. So uh, you know, replicated exactly what they did in back-to-back games. But yeah, it's 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 been really interesting with Duncan Robinson. He was he was huge in game one against Atlanta. I think he hit seven threes, and then pretty much from game two onwards, he's basically been banished out of the rotation. We've seen Max Struess come in in his starting in his starting place, which he did in the last probably seven or eight games of the regular season. And now Victor, Victor Oladipo has worked his way into the rotation and has basically taken any minutes that uh, Duncan Robinson uh, might have been available for Duncan Robinson. So the, the only thing I can imagine is that they're probably a little bit wary of defensively how they would look with both Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson out there, Miami Heat being such a strong de- defensive team. If you got two guys that you can target, you know, with the, the pick and roll between um, Harden and Embiid, it's going to be pretty hard to defend with, with both of those guys out on the floor. But I, you would have thought that given their struggles from three that they would have thrown him out there for five or six minutes and see if at least he could hit a three-point shot because clearly nobody else was capable of doing that. But Tyler Hero is the one for me, Caddy, that needs to – to find his form. Game three, he was 14 points, 5 of 15, 2 of 7 from 3, and then today, 11 points, 4 of 12, 1 of 5 from 3. So he's had an outstanding season, uh, almost a unanimous uh, six-man of the year, and deservedly so. And it's probably been almost an over-reliance at times on Tyler Hero for Miami Heat to get their offense going, because it can bog down. They don't have a lot of sort of creators. Now, Jimmy Butler has been outstanding through this postseason run and has continued that form over the last couple of games. But it's almost Butler or bust at the moment, given their lack of offensive creators. So Tyler Hero is the one for me that really needs to stand up in game five and find his offensive offensive game. Otherwise, they're going to struggle, I think. And it's going to be a bit of a, a rough, a bit of a, a tough uh, proposition for them to get back in this series. So how do you see game five going, Caddy? Do you think Miami at home can get back into it and, you know, Hero can start hitting some shots and, and Struess and, and Kyle Lowry, who we've seen come back into the, the side over the last couple of games um, from that hamstring injury, clearly doesn't appear to be 100%. He was 0 from 6 from 3. So there's clearly some upside here for Miami Heat. So would you do you think that they're, they're the team to, to beat in game five or do you think this momentum can carry through uh, for Philly? Oh, look, it's a pivotal game. There's no doubt about that. I think, you know, Philly have now certainly worked their way back in, into the series and, and would be feeling, you know, quite good about themselves, particularly around, as you mentioned, James Harden's form in today's game. That's, you know, one of his better playoff box scores really in any recent uh, memory. So if he can continue playing at that level, they've got some reasonable production out of their, out of their bench today. It looks like the rotation sort of back um, into where they're hoping it was going to be for these playoffs. So, you know, they're going to carry some momentum into it. But, yeah, Miami is still the home team. They've got, as we've spoken about all year, you know, tremendous depth and it could be really any player on that roster that can step up and, and become really important. So, um, no, look, I'd be probably backing Miami to, to turn the table on them again at home and, and, and keep pushing the series deeper. 
Um, but, you know, they're going to have to come up with some solutions here. That, you know, that they haven't been able to solve um, any any issues that Joel Embiid's now posing them. And, um, you know, Bam, Bam at a bio certainly is a guy that's going to have to defensively, at the very least, you know, step his game up as well. But, um, yeah, the shooting is where it's broken down for them in the last couple of games, as you mentioned. And, yeah, they're really going to get that shot going and, and getting um, a bit more enthusiastic or a bit more enthusiasm around their, their play. So, I'll, I'll stick with them in Game 5 just um, and extend the series. I really hope we do get a Game 7 in this one. Um, we have been haven't been really able to see a, a deep series in this playoff really uh, yet this year. So, yeah, it'd be great to get a couple of Game 7s in, in these rounds. Yeah, I'll stick with them in Game 5 as well. Just that flicker of hope that, you know, Max Strews can, can get hot. Like Lowry, you think at some stage, despite his limitations with his injury, it appears... Can, can shoot better than O from six. Oladipo was one from five. Hero, one from five. Vincent, O from four. These guys are clearly capable of, of shooting much better from three. So th- that would be the, the one the one reason I'm going to back them in. I'll stick with Miami just for the series, Caddy. What, what, what about you? Do you think, Miami, do you think they can uh, pull this series out still? I was just muting, muting while I was having a cough. <laughs> um, yes, no, I think they can. I think they're the, the number one seed for a reason. Going into the playoffs, and yeah, I think they've still got to be the favourite team too. All well. going back to Miami in Game Five, that's you know as good as you can really hope for. And, and you know if they can hold serve again, then it, it swings dramatically back into their favour. So you know until we get through this Game Five, that's where we will, will really see now a momentum swing one way or the other. But um, yeah, you, both teams have done what they've had to do so far. Two and two, Game Five, bring it on in Miami. Yeah, really looking forward to it. It's great when you get uh, the series locked up at two two and. And the home team uh, does hold court. So, yes, a very intriguing Game 5. As you said, Caddy, very pivotal Game 5 coming up. We'll flick over now, Caddy, to the West and the other series that we saw Game 4 today in Phoenix v. Dallas. And very similar script uh, to what we've seen in Miami Philly. So it was Phoenix pretty comfortably in the first two games. Dallas bounced back probably predictably, uh, much like the Philly uh, series in Game 1 of their – in Game 3, which was their first home game. Brunson finally came to the party after he'd struggled – through the first two games. So they won game three, 103, 94. And then today, surprisingly, Caddy, it was uh, Dallas 111, 101. Uh, Luca, 26.7 rebounds and 11 assists. And it was Dallas just getting absolutely scorching hot at stages from three. They were 20 of 44 from three. Dorian Finney Smith, eight from 12 from three. And the Latvian laser Caddy, uh, Davis Bertans, was four from six from three. So what the, I guess, the, surpri- the surprising thing has been the last two games is, you know, Chris Paul's poor play, I guess, is the only way to describe it. I mean, you know, Caddy, I'm one of the biggest uh, Chris Paul fans going around, but he was horrible in game three. It was seven first-half turnovers it ended up being. And then today he only played 23 minutes, fouled out in 23 minutes. He had five points, five rebounds and seven assists, four of those fouls coming in the first half. So just a totally uncharacteristic couple of games here from Chris Paul after we saw so two really, or particularly that first game, just a majestic um, last quarter from typical Chris Paul, just just taking the game over when required. So th- this this series is now on a knife edge. Dallas seem to have gained some real confidence, you know, understandably so after after the last two wins, and 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 we've probably seen uh, just that focus on a Chris Paul that they're really hassling him, which we saw in that Pelican series, didn't we? With you know Jose Alvarado and Herb Jones really getting stuck into Chris Paul, well they've started to do that in this series here, um, and and I think you know as good as Chris Paul is, he's thirty seven years old, and and I think this is 
basically he's only his Achilles heel. If you can get stuck into him, you know, as he's bringing the ball up the court, you know, your man, Reggie Bullock, had he's been given that task and he's doing a really tremendous job and, and Chris Paul starting to wear down. So that would be my only concern with Phoenix from here. Just can Chris Paul continue to to be hounded up and down the court for, for long minutes and continue to produce? But I'm still pretty confident. Phoenix have obviously been the best team all season, and I think that they that they'll win Game Five and ultimately close this series out. But how do you feel about this, Caddy? Do you think Dallas have have worked their way back into this series and are, are a legitimate shot on the back of uh, Luka Doncic, or do you think you know it should just be still uh, pretty straightforward for Phoenix from here? Yeah, well, I think the first thing is probably you know we're from the Chris Paul point of view, it's probably goody. You know, we look back at that injury he had at the back half of the year. Um, you know, and we're talking about whether he's going to be getting tired now with the amount of load that's, that's been on him and the pressure that he's under. It's probably a blessing in disguise, really, that he did um, put his feet up there for a, a portion of the back end of the season because, yeah, I think it would have only been looking worse for him as the playoffs continued had he you know played the full season out. So, look, Phoenix, as you mentioned, I think, you know, again, um, been the dominant team all year. Um, you know, Dallas terrifically have got themselves back into it. Look, I don't know that Dory Finney-Smith's going to shoot eight from 12 from three in every game. So, you know, you're going to get um, some isolated, um, you know, games like that. And, and Luka Doncic, as, as we know, is, you know, capable of putting up the 40 points a night and, and carrying them so far. But I think overall the depth of, of Phoenix when they get home again in game five, I think will be too much for them. Um, but, yeah, no, Dallas are make, making this a series. No doubt, as did New Orleans in the previous round. So, yeah, Phoenix certainly haven't been just um, bulldozing over opposition. They've, you know, been made to, made to earn it so far, and um, which I think will keep them in good stead as um, the playoffs continue. You know, they're getting some really decent reps here, and but they're going to need a bit more support in games where Chris Paul, like today, was clearly off. You know, the foul trouble was, was something you don't see a whole lot from him regularly. But, um, yeah, Cameron Payne was just getting torched when he got out there and, and didn't put up much opposition in that point guard spot. So they're going to need, you know, continued um, form out of their backups. Um, I think their big guys have been performing relatively well so far. We've seen when Aiden had our trouble in one of the games, JaVale McGee and Bismack Biombo came in and both provided great support off the bench, which is a, a real upgrade from what they had even last year in that centre center spot. So I think the depth's still there uh, for them. But yeah, I think Chris Paul really still needs to play at a, a level. He doesn't have to go out and shoot 14 for 14 every night, but yeah. That'd be nice. Certainly better than what he showed in, in today's matchup. Yeah, well, you've you've touched on their depth there, and and it's going to have to come to the fore now, I think, because we did see, you know, I touched on the fact that the Pelicans did start to hound Chris Paul up and down the court for forty eight minutes, whatever minutes he was out on the court, and and we saw Phoenix then, you know, give the ball to Bridges and Crowder and Booker to bring the ball at least past half court, and then give the ball to Chris Paul to save him. So they're going to have to they're going to have to do that a lot more from th- from this point onwards because you'd reckon that, you know, Bullock's going to continue to hound Chris Paul if he continues to bring the ball up the court. And there's there's really no need for Paul to bring the ball right up the court, give it to him in a half-court set once you, once you cross half-court and let him go to work there and at least save him, you know, the, the hassle of having Bullock in his back pocket the whole way up the court. So, yeah, uh, Booker was outstanding today. Uh, with 35 points, you know, he's got to take a bit of that ball-handing responsibility. They need more out of Mikhail Bridges. He only had the, the four points today. Uh, sorry, the six points today. We know he's obviously tasked with guarding Luka Doncic for long periods of time, so that's going to sap him of energy, but he can certainly contribute more than that. And you you touched on the fact that their big men have been pretty good, and, and I agree they have been, but I think they need more out of DeAndre Ayton. He, he's capable. You look at his box score 
you know, 14 points, 11 rebounds. It reads pretty well, 7 of 12 from the field. But, you know, a lot of the time he's matched, matched up against a, a Maxi Kleber or a Davis Bertans. He should be able to really feast in the post, get the ball into Aiton. He's really got, got a really nice touch around the rim or, a, you know, he's, he's really good with those turnaround jump shots. So I, I think they need to get more out of Aiton and Bridges. And, and if they can, you know, I think they should be able to go and, and win this series. But what, what about from a Dallas perspective, Caddy? Is it... It's probably Jalen Brunson, the one that they need to continually step up. I mentioned that you know he had 28 points in Game 3 after a really horror Game 1 and 2. He was okay today, but they probably need Brunson to play as a real second start to have any chance in this series, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. No, he's the guy that's been you know the most serviceable backup in that team all year when, when certainly the depth was getting tested after the Pazingas trade. Brunson's the guy that has really elevated his stock and played a terrific support role um, all season and, and, you know, no doubt's going to play himself into a huge contract in, into the off-season. So, no, he, he's been handling himself reasonably well behind Bunchish. I mean, the, the usage rate that Luke is having so far in this series is huge and, and expected. Um, but, no, I've been quite impressed with the way that the Phoenix Suns, uh, sorry, the Dallas Mavericks have been able to support him around him. We've had, you know, some big games out of guys like Kleber, Burton's had his a pretty good showing today. And, and then, as I mentioned, Dory Finney-Smith as well, a massive shooting game. In this one, so yeah, look, Jalen Brunson, you know, he, he's clearly pivotal, um, you know, to any success that Dallas are going to have moving forward. And I think, you know, he's shown at times, you know, inconsistently a little bit, but um, he's certainly capable of stepping up as he did in, in Game Three in particular and having, you know, a really big, big scoring night. So is this going six games, Caddy, or seven? What do you reckon? Um, well, it's a good question. Uh, I, I might go seven again here. I, I think. Nice. You know, if you can't, if Dallas, you know, can't get a bit of confidence out of what they've been able to do in the previous two games, that, that you know, against a full strength Phoenix Suns, it's not like you know we, where the Pelican series you might have overlooked it a little bit because of the injuries, particularly to Devin Booker. But in this case, you know, they, they're playing a full strength Phoenix squad, and they've been able to you know hold serve at, um, at home here again, and um, you know make make this a series and, and sending it into to Game Five tied as an outstanding effort. And yeah, why not? Um, you know think that they can win a game six at home and, and extend it if, in fact, Phoenix, you know, can win their next game at home. Yeah, I'll go seven as well. I mean, before this series started, I would have thought it would be a five or six games at the most, but, yeah, I think they, they've been, you know, outstanding, obviously, when it, when these two, two games, Dallas, so I can't see any reason why they can't extend it to, to a game seven. And, and what a treat it would be, Caddy, to get both Miami and Philly, that series going to a seven game and and Phoenix and Dallas as well. We'll move over now, Caddy, to the other uh, series in the West, the Golden State Warriors versus Memphis. In Game 2, it was Memphis who bounced back. They won 106-101. Ja Morant, outstanding, 47 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. Clay Thompson really struggled from the field. In that game, he was 5 of 19 from the field and 2 from 12 from 3. So probably no surprise that Golden State did lose that game, although they did draw even during, I think, that last quarter. So it was, it was real credit to Memphis that they were able to close that game out. But then yesterday, Caddy, it was a, a procession in the end. It was Golden State 142-112. Both Curry and Poole had massive games. Curry had 30 points. Uh, Poole had 27 points. And he was just getting into the lane at will. He was just beating everybody off the dribble and either scoring for himself and or collapsing the D and and passing out to open shooters. And, and the shooting from Golden State yesterday, 63% from the field, 53% from three. So obviously no surprise that they were able to get across the line pretty comfortably. But the big news, Caddy, coming out of that game was Ja Morant, who was outstanding while he was on the court, 34 points, seven assists, 13 from 21 from the field. 
left the game uh, during the last quarter, I think it was, with a knee injury. And and I'm sure you've seen the vision, Caddy, and there's been a bit of controversy over how it happened. There's been some allegations labelled at Jordan Poole, which I think are ridiculous, that he purposely grabbed at uh, Jarmorant's leg or knee to, to try and injure him. Now, in that situation when you're defending, I mean, if you're going to try and injure someone, I think you're probably going to, you know, physically try and maybe knee, make it a knee-on-knee contact or... The last thing I think you'd be thinking in your mind is I'm going to grab his leg and try and wrench his knee. I mean, I've never seen anybody try to do that, but that's that's what the Memphis Grizzlies are basically accusing Jordan Poole of doing, which I think is crazy. Did, first of all, Caddy, did you see that vision, and, and what do you think of that accusation? Yeah, no, I saw the vision, absolutely. I mean, it was, a, it was an unusual play. It's one you don't see too often, someone grabbing the, grabbing the limb of an opposition player. And I think, you know, I think most of the talk around it is, is certainly based on what we saw earlier in the series, um, you know, with the injury to, to Gary Payton when he got up and got, got hit up in the air by Dylan Brooks. So there's certainly a lot of tension in within both teams here, which has added to the added to the spectacle, I think. Um, there's certainly been no love lost during the games and also in the post-game comments from, from either side. So, look, it probably is a bit of a, a stretch to think that, you know, you, you could think, you know, in that moment that you're going to literally grab someone's knee, twist it, and you know, succumb them to a, yeah, a serious knee injury. So it's crazy. And and it's a pretty it, serious it, accusation to throw at a, a young player like Paul, you know, in a playoff setting to to accuse him of doing that. I mean, I don't know. I understand that they're obviously very disappointed that Ja Morant, who's been, as I said, incredible throughout this series, is more than likely going to miss game four. But to start throwing accusations like that, I think, is pretty poor taste from Memphis. Yeah, and I think there was also a vision um, of a previous play just before that where Jar had gone into the into the key and, and looked like he landed uh, awkwardly as well, which may have led to the, the knee injury that he ended up um, succumbing to for this next game. But, um, yeah, no, uh, uh, probably a bit of a reach to, to think that Paul had done it. But I think just adding to the narrative of this series, it's been, been you know, hard hard fought and well, well contested to this point. Um, but, yeah, certainly disappointing that we're not going to see Morant out there in the next game, it just feels like the momentum of the series is now clearly the Warriors, um, and you know, looking to um, you know make another Western Conference Finals, which would be an outstanding achievement for them. It's hard to see, although um, you know the record without Morant so far this season has been pretty spectacular. But I think what what he's been able to do so far in the playoffs has been there'd be a lot of um, pressure going on to their next level of players and whether they can step up in a um, a playoff situation and be able to cover for him, I've probably got my doubts. So, yeah, I mean, as you said there, they've had an outstanding record with with uh, Morant off off the court this season. But, yeah, you're looking at guys like Desmond Bain really has to step up. He's only averaging 10 points a game for the series. Dylan Brooks now is back for game four. So he's obviously owes his teammates one. So, you know, I, I identified him as their playoff X factor and he's more than capable of coming out and having 24, 25 points and you wouldn't even bat an eyelid. So, you know, Bain, Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr., who we've seen been a little bit up and down. He had a massive game three when he was knocking down the three ball. Uh, sorry, game two. Uh, no, he, uh, they need him to have an, another massive game. So, yeah, Williams has actually been really good for them as a rookie. So he, he's shown a very promising future. But given how reliant they've been upon Ja Morant, certainly uh, in these first three games, he's averaging 38 points a game, almost seven seven rebounds and eight, eight assists a game. So he's just been their absolute driving force. And, Caddy is just such a joy to watch. His ability to jump and sort of levitate and hang in the air is 
dare I say it, Caddy, almost Michael Jordan-esque, just the way that he jumps. And then as everybody's coming down, his ability to, to get it up on the rim is... He's almost fast becoming my favourite player to watch, Caddy. He's just an absolute joy to watch, isn't he? Well, I think that's been the, the benefit of these playoffs is you know getting some more some more eyes on this uh, this team and particularly John Moran because it's been you know you don't get to see them on you know the national TV games too often throughout the series and so they do go under the radar a little bit from that point of view, other than you know following it in the box scores and, and seeing how well they're performing in the standings. But I think even um, there was reports just around Twitter mentions and um, social media hits. Like he's streets ahead of any other player during the playoffs. So he's certainly resonating with the fans out there in terms of the way he's playing and, and how exciting he is to watch. And as you mentioned, the athleticism is, is probably unparalleled uh, by anyone else in the league at the moment. So what about from a Golden State perspective, Caddy? They're obviously, you'd think from here in the box seat to go through, it looks almost uh, certain that Morant's going to miss game four. So you'd expect... Golden State would be up uh, 3-1 even if he comes back for Game 5 and he'd have to be under a cloud for Game 5 as well. So going forward, what what have you seen from the Golden State Warriors? Obviously, Curry had that question mark heading into the postseason given he was coming off an injury. He's been very good. Jordan Poole, you know, we've spoken about how good he was in Game 3. He's been outstanding. 26 points a game. He's shooting splits, Caddy, 58-43-100. I mean, you, you don't get much better than that. Wiggins has certainly chipped in. He's been good. Uh, defensively as well has really uh, been good uh, on the glass for them as well. Clay Thompson is probably the one concern for them. He's he's shooting at only thirty two percent from three, although he did get going in game three and, and hit a crazy one legged sort of floating three almost is probably the best way to describe it. And Draymond Green, I guess, is the is the other question mark for me. He's he's doing his usual stuff defensively and 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 you know running the offense and, and dishing out assists, but just he's he's his almost non-shooting ability could become a question mark the further we go in the playoffs. So have you got any concerns around Golden State at the moment or do you think they're, that they're going to go through to the Western Conference and maybe even be the favourite in that series? Yeah, I'm not too concerned about them at the moment. I think what we saw in Game 3 was, you know, just their overall ability to put up, you know, big offensive numbers clearly you know, and shooting 142 points. You know, playoff game um, is pretty outstanding. They had the 100 points up before they even got into into the final quarter, which is quite extraordinary. I, I like the way they've been sort of mixing and matching their starting lineups as well to suit. You know, we've seen Looney now coming off the bench, Jordan Poole back into that bench. My boy, um, the X-Factor well. Kaminga got a start caddy in game three. He certainly did. And, you know, he played his role absolutely perfectly. If, if You know, you're looking at what he was able to, able to do um, on the offensive end as well. So, look, they've really showcased that they do have some flexibility in their lineups and, and they can sort of manoeuvre that to whatever's going to suit. And, you know, the, the continued form of Jordan Poole is going to be something that's so pleasing for the Warriors to think, you know, they just wouldn't have dreamed they would have been getting this type of production off a guy like Poole at, you know, at the start of the year when they were forecasting out to the playoffs. But he's, you know, again, 27 points in, in Game 3 was, was awesome and, and just complementing their other star players so well. So, yeah, clearly... You know, it's it's in their hands now. This series, they got the next game at home to go three one. Hard to see Memphis, you know, winning that game, and then really they should it should be a procession through the Western Conference Finals. And then based on form and the way that Phoenix are really having to, you know, dig really really deep in both their rounds so far, they they quite possibly could go in as, as almost the the favourite to to get through to the finals. But um, you know, a bit of a ways to go before we get to that point. But they've certainly elevated themselves in the conversation for now. Absolutely. 
Yeah, they have. And not starting Kaminga, I think they were just looking for some form of athleticism because Memphis obviously is full of athletes. And yeah, his box score looked pretty good in the end, but he did have some pretty costly turnovers early. So it'd be interesting to see which way they do go with their starting lineup for game four. So yeah, so you're thinking they're probably going to close it out in five, Caddy? Um, yeah, I think so. I think yeah, the, the, that swing in that last game was, was pretty extraordinary. And yeah, with any doubt around John Morant now, I think the Warriors have got such, such experience and um, at, at this level that they should be able to yeah, find a way to, to close this one out. Yeah, I agree. I think they'll close it out in uh, five also. We'll flick over now, Caddy, to probably the most intriguing series at the moment, the Boston versus Milwaukee series. And game two, it was Boston bouncing back after probably a disappointing uh, game one. It was 109-86 and Jalen Brown really came to the party after he was putrid, if, if we're going to be honest, in game one. He had 30.6 rebounds, six assists, and then just a classic game yesterday, Caddy, in game three, 103-101 Milwaukee in the end. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 42 points, 12 rebounds, eight assists, two blocks and two steals, joining these players to have only uh, posted those numbers, LeBron James, Charles Barkley, Kevin Kevin Durant, Jimmy Butler, Patrick Ewing, Alvin Hayes, and that's in the playoffs, so j- just an outstanding game. Uh, Jalen Brown was very good again for Boston with 27 points and 12 rebounds. Horford, he hit some big buckets down down the uh, stretch and including almost the, the one that sent it into overtime with 22 points and 16 rebounds. But it was Jason Tatum who who really struggled. He only had the 10 points, one rebound and three assists, four of 19 from the field and 0 from 6 from 3. And it was in, in a surprising turn of events, Caddy, it was uh, Wesley Matthews who held him as his primary defender Jason Tatum was 0 from 10 from the field. So an incredible job uh, from Wes Matthews, who was picked up off the scrap heap from Milwaukee Bucks. So just an, just an outstanding job done by him. But the finish to this game, Caddy, it was Boston uh, actually had a one-point lead and, and Giannis uh, came through and did a nice little finger roll to, to give them a one-point lead. And then Holiday hit another bucket to, to make it a three-point game. And then uh, Boston called a timeout and it was Marcus Smart with the ball and I'm sure you you would have seen the vision as well, Caddy. In what they they deemed to be a rip through move, um, as he was going up for a three point shot, so he didn't get the three free throws. I only gave him the two. Firstly, what did you think about that call, Caddy? I was on the fence. I'm still not hundred hundred percent sure which way I want to go. Did you think he should have got the three free throws, or were you happy with that being called as the the Kevin Durant slash Chris Paul rip through, which only gave him the two free throws? No, I think I was quite happy with how. That was officiated in the end. I think there's precedent there to, to show that they weren't probably going to be prepared to, to go all the way with the, the three-point, um, you know, uh, free three throw. So I think that was officiated reasonably well. But um, no, the series so far has been probably surprisingly enjoyable for mine. I think we saw both of them, uh, both teams show in the first round that they were, you know, particularly defensively were, were on another level altogether from the opposition they played in the first round. And that's, you know, been been there to see as well in, in this second round. But, um, yeah, probably surprised at how close Boston were able to get this one in, in game three. And But, um, yeah, clearly Milwaukee have got in the box seat, stealing one of those games in Boston. And, and you know, if they can win again at home in the next one, it's going to be really hard for Boston to get their way back in the series. And they probably had their chance there in game three in the end to try and steal that one um, and, you know, close finish um, at the very, very end. But, yeah, if Milwaukee can, can hold here at home, I think it's going to be... Another uh, Eastern Conference Finals appearance uh, for Milwaukee and well on the way to defending their title. 
And, and as I said, just such an exciting finish with Smart getting those two free throws, hits the first, purposely missed that second free throw, and, and expertly done. We've seen players try to do that and they don't hit the rim and, you know, it just goes nowhere near or rebounds nowhere near any of their teammates. But this was done really well and they got three cracks at it. First it was Robert Williams. He missed pretty easily. Horford tapped it up. It sort of rolled around the rim, gave it half a chance to drop, then came back out and then Horford about half a second, if you want to call it that, too late, tapped it in, which would have sent the game to overtime. But So from a Boston Celtics perspective, Caddy, do you look at this game and say our best player, Jason Tatum, four from 19 from the field, only had the 10 points. That's probably not going to happen again. We we should feel pretty confident going into to game four that we can you know get a normal game out of Tatum and come away with a win. Or do you look at it and say, geez, we really let this one slip. Horford was massive. Giannis had a huge game. You know, Drew Holiday had 25 points and we still should have won and it was in a, and it was a way game for us. We should have won this one. This could be the one that comes back to Hornets. Yeah, I think it's probably the one that, that got away from them. And, you know, you mentioned Tatum had a had a terrible game. Like really, between him and Marcus Smart, what was it, 5 for 27 from the field. So they're never going to shoot that badly again. But that said, I think Milwaukee, um, the way they're playing, their, their, their star players in particular, they're stepping up. Uh, so far, particularly um, Giannis and, and Drew Holiday, that you know, it was really an opportunity there to to try and steal one. But um, you know, they're, they're making a really solid fist of it. Again, you know, we know that they've tightened up their rotation. They're, they're playing just the primarily the the eight guys at the moment, and and that's the way forward for them. But you know, they're going to need you know better better shooting performances, obviously from from Jason Tatum in the next game. Uh, he's got to find a way to work through the, the pressure that he's, he's seeing there um, from Wes Matthews in particular. But Milwaukee are just so good defensively. They're so big. Um, you know, they play lineups when they do have Portis, Lopez and Giannis out on the floor. It's almost impenetrable. And, and I, I think that they've just got too many answers, Milwaukee, at this stage um, for Boston. Yeah, well, if we had spoken about this series before, I, I was pretty confident Boston were going to win it. I was just worried about the Chris Middleton absence. And we have seen it at times. Um, you know, come to fruition that when he when he has certainly game two anyway, when sometimes they can struggle. If if you can keep Giannis out of the paint, which is much easier said than done, their offense can bog down. Like, you know, it's relying upon some Drew Holiday sort of step back threes, which I'm sure Boston will live with. So that would be my only concern from a from a Milwaukee perspective. Like we you got forty two points, twelve rebounds and eight assists out of Giannis, and you only just squeaked across across the line in a game where Jason Tatum was very ordinary. So I still hold out hopes that Boston can get their way back into this series, and I'm still going to go with them in seven. But it sounds like to me, Caddy, that you're pretty confident that Milwaukee will get across the line in this series, are you? I am, yeah. I think they're the, the better team, and, and I think they've just got more. You know, well, they've got Giannis, and that's, for me, just so important. He's just a continuing to show himself on the big stage that he's a true competitor. Is he he's clearly now, Caddy, is he elevating himself to no questions asked, the best player in the NBA? There's sort of been that debate, I suppose. Is it Giannis? Is it Durant? What we've seen based upon this postseason now, is it clearly Giannis for you? Oh, it is for me, yeah. I think, you know, he's got the he's got the runs on the board now with the, the title. And if you're looking at, say, Jokic and Embiid in particular as the guys that are, you know, have, have the MVP buzz, I think until they can can get their team over the top, which um, uh, which Giannis has able, been able to do already and, and still alive again, well and truly up to his earballs and oh, his eyeballs in this one. Um, yeah, I think he's, on, on any given day, is the most dangerous player and the hardest one to, to get past if um, 
you know, in a, in a really big game, whether it's a, a close out or a game seven or something like that, it's going to be really, really ultra hard um, for a team to get past him, I think. Oh, it certainly is. So do you like him in six from here or do you think it'll get, get to yeah, game seven? That's where we are. We're hitting it to game four, so I reckon they'll go 3-1. Oh, look, I'll, I'll give it to six, yeah. I think if they get the home game in, in game six, that might be the one they they close it out in. And it'd be a huge effort for them to to win this series without Chris Middleton, their their second leading scorer and, and an all-star again this year. So it just probably would just add to, to Giannis's playoff resume and, and the fact that, you know, I, I agree with you. I think he's clearly the best player in the NBA at the moment. But if he, if he can pull out this series against a Boston team that were in outstanding form coming into this series, they'd been the best team in the NBA for the, for the second half of the season. They're, all the metrics pointed to the fact that how dominant they'd been. So if he can get a get Milwaukee across the line, missing his fellow All-Star, what a feather in the cap that would be for Giannis. We'll finish off, Caddy, just quickly touching on the fact that uh, Sacramento Kings announced, I think it was today, that Mike Brown has been appointed as coach. So we've seen Mike Brown coach the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Lakers and has been an assistant uh, for the past few years at uh, Golden State. Do you like this uh, hire for the Sacramento Kings, Caddy? It's a bit unusual, not unusual, but a bit different in the NBA. You see, you know, the same coaches probably recycled. You know, they go from team to team, whereas, you know, Speaking about you know the AFL here, for instance, usually once you get the sack, you're done. Do you think that you know the AFL probably need to change their stance on that? We're seeing it, I guess, this year with Michael Voss doing a really good job at Carlton. Do you think that the AFL should follow suit a little bit um, and and copy, I guess, the NBA and give some of these ca- coaches a chance? You know, they're probably going to be a coach, a better coach, the second time around. So, do you think they should maybe follow suit a little bit? Oh, I think there's something in it for sure. I think. Um... AFL coaches in particular, the young ones, get um, hung out to dry pretty quickly and, and seem to be damaged goods after their, their first attempt at it. So I think, yeah, often they're going to become better coaches as they go on. Look, in terms of the Sacramento hire, I find this one a bit a bit perplexing. I don't see how how much energy Mike Brown's going to be able to um, bring to the table on a four-year contract to be their next coach. So, yeah, I, I would have – you just think, you know, are they just going for some some stability instead of going for another untried coach who doesn't work out? Are they maybe just looking at Brown, at least saying you know, you know obviously LeBron helped him, but he, he took he took them to the finals. He's been involved now in a very successful Golden State run over the last few years. Are, are they at least going? At least we know this guy can be, at least be a an adequate coach as as opposed to trying someone who they don't really know what they might get. Yeah, possibly. And look, he's a they been a defensive-minded coach most most of the way through as well, so I think there's probably something in, in that for them. But yeah, I, I found it an interesting interesting one that they've gone back to the well. And even for Brown, you think you know he might have thought that his um, head coaching days were over and would have been just happy to yep. sidle in as an assistant coach for you know the, the rest of his days. But um, yeah, interesting. Like I, I just don't yeah, see too much excitement or how you know things. They're going to turn around for Sacramento. They're so far kind of back in the pack now. I think that it's going to be a, a long bird. Look, I'm glad that they've at least given him four years to try and uh, make sure that they give him the necessary time to, to do something. But, um, yeah, a pretty uninspiring choice for mine. Yeah, as you said, Mike Brown getting back into it. <laughs> you, you you would have hoped that he was – he would have hoped, I'm sure. No, beggars can't be choosers. I, I get that. But uh, going to such a – a franchise that's so you know had no stability, so so many head coaches. This is this will clearly be his last chance at, at 
getting a, a head coach role. So probably not a lot of confidence oozing out of the pores at, of Mike Brown at the moment. But we'll call it there, Caddy. We try to keep it as brief as possible given you're under the weather. But uh, congratulations and well done on on battling through. You were, you were coughing a lot when I was talking to you pre-show and I didn't know how you were going to get through it, mate. But uh, you've soldiered on, so well done. Uh, thank you very much and, um, yeah, Glad it's over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you are. But as I say, Caddy, every week, thank you to everybody who continues to download the podcast. If you haven't jumped on Apple Podcasts as yet and given us a five-star rating, please do so. We've also got the Facebook page up and going, so you can jump on there, like the page, and all the episodes will be posted on there. Until next week, we'll talk to you then.